if, if, if you've been tracking with us for any amount of time, you know we're in a series, so we like to do a little bit of a review, because you might be visiting tonight, you might be here for the first time, and so we like to play a little bit, oh, let me, ah, uh, can I just do one more thing? Right, I know, I know. What are you going to say? No, you can't, right? Okay. The sound guy, I guess, right, he could turn the mic off, but, but since we drew his name tonight, I know he's not going not gonna to do that. See, it's all, it's all part. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. I wanted, I wanted to read this. This was on Facebook. See, you got to be careful what you put on Facebook. I love, you love, I love Facebook. You get to find about all kinds of things about who people are on Facebook. That's fantastic. So, so Sabra, is Sabra in here? So Sabra is in here. So she wrote this poem, and I just, I just want to read it because it's, it's fantastic. Found it on Facebook today. So I sent Scotty. She doesn't know this. I sent Scotty. I said, Scotty, can you go find out if she wrote that or not? Because if she didn't write it, I don't want to give her credit. So, you know, him being the sneaky, you got to be sneaky as a husband sometimes. So he found her and uh, said, did you write that poem? And, and her response was more, more of a revelation than a poem. And when you hear it, it's a revelation we all need to have. He, choose, he chooses me. He cherishes me. He loves me. He delights in me. He knows me. He fights for me. He is jealous for me. Remember Vanessa at the wrap-up? He is jealous for me. He heals me. God is the perfect love story. Come on, isn't that good? Come on, you should clap for that. So if you're not falling in love with God, I don't care if you're the toughest guy on the peninsula, right? I hope that you're falling head over heels in love with the creator of the universe because he's head over heels in love with you. Okay, all right. So, so, the, so the, the, the series we're calling City Life Edition, Monopoly City Life Edition, it kind of got born out of the, the idea from 2012 when Monopoly put out an effort to replace the iron, which I'm still a little bit bitter about that. So they got rid of the iron to make room for the cat. And, and so we had a, a creative team that began to meet to, to say, you know, we knew the series that we wanted to do and we thought this was a great opportunity to tie it in because there's things in this life that just become irrelevant, Right. The clothes that we wear, the music that we listen to, maybe the kind of cars that we drive. You, you can make the list. There's things in this life that at some point, if you're older like me, your kids help you, right? Come along. They say, that's just a little bit dated. It, it loses its sense of purpose. We understand that. As a follower of Christ, though, there has to be some things on a list that we recognize that are timeless. There have to be some things that we say, if Jesus doesn't come back for another 10,000 years, that these things, that they are eternal, they are everlasting. And we call them the pathways here at the City Life Church. Scripture, prayer, worship, fasting, accountability, relationships, gathering, reaching, stewardship, generosity, rest, and service will forever transcend Time and culture. I want to read this verse out of Deuteronomy 8. I came across some of these verses that we're going to be using tonight. If you're reading through the Bible in the year for us, you'll be familiar with some of these. You just read them recently as well. Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry 
and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people, listen to this, do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Sounds familiar, right? Jesus used this when, when Satan was tempting him, when he was in the desert. His response to him was, man shall not live by bread alone, by, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's drawing a distinction at this birth of a nation to make sure that they understand the difference between the temporal and the eternal. All right, let me pick up my verse here. All right, verse 4. For all these 40 years, listen to this. This is a, 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 an often not mentioned miracle of their, of their wilderness journey. For all of these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not blister or swell. They wandered around the desert for 40 years and God, even in his place of teaching them a lesson and even in his place of judgment, gave them great grace. 40 years later, come on, even the clothes that they were wearing were just as new as the day that they started, even the shoes that they were wearing, there was no blistering on their feet. It's just a great picture that sometimes when we need God to teach us a lesson, he doesn't stop being gracious. And you might be in a season right now where God's teaching you some hard lessons that you have to learn, specifically regarding financial stewardship and your material resources and how you manage them, which is a big part of what this series is about. And even in your place of having to learn some hard lessons, be encouraged. God is going to be gracious to you even in this place of teaching and understanding. It's, it's kind of neat, right, that 40 years went by and those clothes were still brand new. Some of you like that, right, especially if you're 46. Like me, I just turned 46. So there's some things like I would just keep wearing them over it's good that they wear out right your, your children if you're older like me they want your they want your stuff to wear out so that you have to go get something different all right so, so in fact the only hope of our lives having any lasting meaning is for every other life pursuit to be secondary to these pathway pathways the temporal must give way to the eternal now, we're not saying that you should give up every temporary enjoyment in this life. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about starting a new monastic movement here at the City Life Church. We're not saying that the things in your life that are frivolous, things in your life that have no eternal meaning or value, that you should cast all those things aside. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about prioritizing your life. We are talking about asking yourself the question, if the things that are temporary, if the things that are frivolous, if the things, maybe they're not frivolous, they're meaningful, but they're not things that last forever, that if all of these things are causing the things that really do matter to be displaced, then you've got to go on a conversation and a journey. You need to think about involving some other people in that conversation, that maybe you look at them and they seem that their life is just well-ordered, that you can begin a journey of saying, I want my life to be like that. Matthew 6, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. I have found that when we put the right things first, you actually end up with more time than you thought you would have. I found in life that when you invest your money and your, your time and your talent in the right things first, it just seems as though what you have goes a little bit farther. It's a journey of faith. It's a place of trust. And, and if you're asking yourself the question, right, what, how do I, Fred, Fred, how do I, when I'm making a decision, is it temporal or is it eternal? You know what a great filter I like to use is asking the question, what happens when I step into a place of excess? Does that make sense? Because that differentiates it really quick. So I'm a big peanut fan. It's one of my favorite snacks, right? On my 40-day fast I did recently, my big thing of Virginia peanuts were there in the pantry. It was my temptation, right, every night. The ball field. 
Somebody gave me a big old bag of peanuts you have to shell for my birthday, and so I took them to the ball field with me on Friday night. I had my first peanut stomach ache, right, as a grown-up because I just I can't ever stop eating them. Some of you, it might not be peanuts. It, it could be something silly like that, or it could be something destructive for you, right? It, you understand what I'm saying, that, that it, once you cross the threshold of excess, that's a great way of knowing whether or not what you're doing is temporal or if it's eternal. Because then the thing on the list that we just had just a minute ago, prayer, worship, relationship, those things, once you cross the threshold of excess, they just get better. Once you cross the threshold of excess, they just are all the more enriching to your life. There's no such thing as the law of diminishing marginal returns when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God. It's one of the great filters that you can apply when you're asking yourself the question, is this something temporary or is it something eternal? We've been sharing this verse each week in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We want the pathways to monopolize to monopolize our lives. So we're asking ourselves in this sermon within this series called Hashtag the Bank, we're asking ourselves four heart questions and we're asking ourselves four money questions as we examine two of the 12 pathways, generosity and stewardship. So you can get it on the podcast through our website. Over the last couple of weeks, we did the, the four heart questions, right? We did, am I submitted? We did, am I cheerful? We did, am I expectant? And we did, am I content? And so tonight, time permitting, we're going to try to get through three of the money questions, and then we're going to do one, the fourth money question next week, the fourth money one next week. So, all right, Psalm 90:17. May the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. So the last part of the review. We introduced the phrase last week, if you're going to hang around the City Life Church, we, we want to be a church that causes your character to break a sweat. We, we want to be a church that causes you to try harder in the things that are eternally significant in this life. You, you don't need to try harder to get to heaven because there's no trying that will get you there. That all has to do with the doctrine of grace and the work that Jesus did on the cross. But if you're going to bring heaven to earth, there's some effort involved. If you're going to walk in the abundant life that Jesus wants you to have, it's going to take some trying. If, if Your Bible is not going to read itself. If you have one of those, you should share that, Right? You have to open it. You have to set aside time. Your money is not going to climb out of your checking account and find its way into the child sponsorship that you took on for Food for the Hungry. You've got to choose to spend less over here so you can get, does that make sense? It takes effort. It takes work. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. Relationships aren't just going to happen by themselves. You have to be intentional. These pathways require work. These pathways require effort, and that's all about this psalm here. And God says, if you put forth the effort, come on, I'm going to make it work. All right, so let's do the first one. The first of the money questions is this, is that how, how am I doing with my financial responsibilities in regards to our family? It's going to be very practical tonight. How, how, how am I doing with my fi family financial responsibilities? Now, we're using the word family in a very broad way. Everybody here is going to fulfill the definition of a family. If you're a single adult, then that's your family. If, if, you're, if you're a single parent, 
If you're a blended family, you might have financial responsibilities for children that don't live in the home with you. They live possibly with a former spouse. Are you with me? The definition of family is a, for our conversation tonight is going to be a very broad definition. It means that the people that are looking to you to make good decisions with the money that you have, even yourself, even yourself, you are dependent upon yourself to make good decisions. If not, there's going to be personal consequences that you'll experience in your financial life. So my, uh, my uncle, I'm going to share a couple of stories tonight about my uncle. He, uh, he passed away last Saturday. We found out about it last, uh, last Sunday morning when uh, we were, got up and were on our way to the, uh, to the, the Williamsburg campus. And so we were there at the funeral this week. And, and, uh, and, and it was a, uh, they went to a Methodist church. I love Meth- Methodist church funerals are my favorite funerals. Can I, anybody ever been to a Methodist church funeral? Right? Because, because, and everybody who goes to a Methodist church, they know when you come, there's going to be an opportunity to stand up and tell a story about the person who's passed as a part of the service. They call it giving witness. I love that about the Methodist church. The person, right, who's conducting the service is in the program, and people come ready with stories to tell. And some are funny, and some are meaningful, some are heartfelt, and it's just a powerful tradition that we have that we're, they have that we're going to steal for us as a non-denominational church, just throwing that in. So his daughter gets up and tells this story. Now, he was a wheeler dealer, not in a bad way, not taking advantage of people. But growing up, they lived around the corner from us. There was always something for sale in the front yard, always something for sale. And, and this is before Craigslist, right? You put it in your front yard, you put a, put a sign on it. And so she told the story. She said that he was riding down the road one day. I grew up out in Verina, east side of Richmond, very rural community. And he's riding down the, the road, and he sees a Volkswagen Rabbit. Anybody, I'm dating myself. Anybody remember a Volkswagen? Who here owned a Volkswagen Rabbit? Anybody? Yeah, I see some hands. Come on. Come on, pop it up. And so he's riding down the road. And it's in the, somebody else's front yard, right? And there's a for sale sign in the window that says $400. So he pulls over, and he starts talking to the guy, and he doesn't have any money. He's got nothing, nothing. He says, I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you $250 for the car, cash. I'll go home and get it right now, come back. And so they bartered back and forth, and he finally talked the guy down to, took about a half an hour, takes him down to $300. So they shook on it, and as they're shaking, Uncle Butch is getting ready to leave to go get his money. A guy pulls up, says, I'd like to buy this car. And the gentleman said, well, it's not mine anymore. I just sold it to this gentleman. Uncle Butch says, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> oh, you know where this is going, right? And the guy says, how much you want for it? He said, $400, just like the sign in the window. <laughs> the guy pulls four, a true story, pulls $400 out of his pocket, cash, gives it to Uncle Butch. Uncle Butch takes $300, gives it to the guy, puts $100 in his pocket, gets in his car, drives home. I know. He's why Uncle Butch is listening right now. Right? He's working some deals up in heaven. He's already bought and sold three mansions in the week that we've, we've been down here. On his fort, he's got chariots in his front yard. He's taken over. He's taken over. Right? Now, now, why am I telling that story? Because he, he had an attitude. He was a great man. He was going to find a way to provide for his family. He wasn't a wealthy family. He's a hardworking man. He was a carpenter by trade, just like his father, my grandfather. And, but he had this attitude. I'm going to find a way to provide for my family. And he had this belief that God was going to help him do it along the way. 
Now, sure, this idea of buying and selling stuff, that, that might not be your thing. And yeah, it was something that he really enjoyed. And for some of us, I would lose my shirt doing that kind of thing, right? That might not be your thing. But, but the attitude that he had is what we're trying to communicate. If you are a provider, which you are if you're here, even if you're just providing for yourself, there's got to be some sense of responsibility that you have to meet those needs and a belief that God is going to guide you and direct you. And there are going to be moments of favor that are going to shine down upon you because God sees the intent of your heart that you take your financial responsibilities seriously and God just smiles upon that kind of attitude. 1 Timothy 5.8. Listen to this. This is Paul writing to his young protege. This is Paul trying to disciple and mentor this young man. Listen to what he said. This is strong language. It says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Now, now Paul uses this phrase in other places in his letters, in his epistles, worse than unbelievers, and it's almost exclusively used for people who have forsaken their faith in Christ. Now, whatever you believe doctrinally about that, that's a different conversation for a different time. But, but we understand the seriousness of the moment, right? Paul, when, when you read about Paul talking about folks who made a vow of devotion to Christ, and then they renounce that and just abandon themselves back into a life of riotous living, Paul says, hey, that you're, you're, you're worse off than you were before when you take those steps. It's interesting to me that you find him pulling the same phrase out to describe this person. It lets us know that God takes this idea of our financial responsibility seriously. It lets us know that when we are a person who is responsible for other people, even if it's just ourselves, God says, hey, it's just not a good thing if you get that right. He's saying it's vital. It's an essential part of your Christian journey. In fact, Paul here, I would say, is saying, you might not say it, but I would say it, that Paul here is saying, you cannot call yourself a Christian and not get this right. There should be something about your life that walks well in providing for your family and their material needs. All right, so we like participation here at the City Life Church. So, so when you think about family responsibilities when it comes to finances, what are some things that come to mind? What are some things that come to mind? Come on, I'm coming out into the crowd. Don't get nervous. Dustin. Yeah. Place to live, pro providing shelter for you or your family. Absolutely. Somebody else. Transportation, Say, transportation Jim. Sabra. Creating a budget. Creating a budget. Come on. You've been looking into my notes, Sabra. We're going to get to that one. Come on. you got to do it. Somebody else. Steve. Food. food. Amen. Especially peanuts. I was saying food. Insurance. Insurance. Yeah, you got to have insurances. Rachel. you got to have clothes, at least if you don't want to get arrested. Tim. Teaching your kids the same responsibility. Coming into the back. Chrissy. Celebration, rest, vacation. You got to invest in your rest. She's been digging around in my notes too. Scotty. Trips to Target. Trips to Target. Come on. <laughs> Somebody else. Financial responsibilities. Anybody? What about some teenagers? Anybody over here? Financial responsibilities? No? Education. education. Nice, Avery. Nice, Education. There's all 
kinds of examples of what it means to be financially responsible. And depending on the definition of family for you is going to change what that list looks like. But everybody in here has a list. And you need to know what that list should look like for you. That's where the journey begins. I want to read through a few Proverbs tonight. I want to start in 1311. I'm going to read the ones that are on the margin as well, because what I think you find in a lot of these Proverbs are questions that we should be asking ourselves. And if you're really courageous, you'll ask people who know you well if any of these are describing you. Come on, be bold. All right, Proverbs 13.11. Proverbs 13.11. Wealth from from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear, but wealth from hard work grows over time. There should be something inside of us that says, I find great purpose and meaning from having a work ethic. There should be something inside of us that says, even though I know it's not easy when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, there should be something inside of us that says, I can't wait till the end of the day when I come home tired in the sense of fulfillment that I'm going to have, knowing that I've been a productive contributing member of society. So this is a question that you can ask yourself in reading this proverb. Is is my life characterized as someone who is a productive, contributing member of the society that I'm in? All right, let's read Proverbs 6, 6. So you're going to take a left turn in your Bible or swipe your way there with a go-to tab at the top of your screen. Proverbs 6, 6. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. right. That's name-calling several thousand years ago. Learn from their ways and become wise. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Now, now we're not saying that our lives should be just defined and characterized by busyness because you can be busy and still not be productive. But what we are saying is, and I think what this proverb is asking, is there too much idle time in your life? Is, is there too much? We're going to talk about rest in just a minute, which Christy talk, Christy talk mentioned. We're not, we're not talking about too much rest, right? Or maybe for some of you, maybe there is too much rest. Most of us, you don't have enough rest. It's this idea, is there, is there too much idle time in my life that could be redeemed, that could be captured, that could be redirected into a place of being more productive and more contributing? All right, so... Is there too much idle time? That's a question you should be asking yourself. Again, if you're really bold, you're going to take each of these and ask some friends of yours to say, hey, do these describe me in any way? Because we all have blind spots. All right, 10.5, Proverbs 10.5. A wise youth, right over here in this section, a wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. So, So when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, my down Saturday mornings, right, I would like to sleep in like, like most teenagers would do. When, when, it was, when it was a grass cutting Saturday, he would start, and my sisters and our, our rooms were next to each other, he would always cut the strip of grass outside of our window first, right? <laughs> you know, and I think, I want to say he probably took the muffler off. I've never actually asked him to confess to that, but I'm quite certain he did, right? Because he understood, hey, I, I want to instill in my children a work ethic. And he did, and we're so grateful for it. So one of the, if you have children, this is a proverb that you should be asking yourself. Am I teaching them that even in their youth, there's a harvest time? Even in their youth, they should be preparing themselves for their vocational life. Even in their youth, 
even if they're not of a legal age to work, there's child labor laws around the house, right, that you're exempt from, right? They should have chores. They should have responsibilities, not because you're, right, giving them the work so you don't want to have to do it, although that's really a part of our motivation of true confessions, right? But the deeper motivation should be I'm giving them the gift of a work ethic. So I've got a, a rock up here, the City Life Rock. You like that? That's pretty cool, isn't it? So for, for, uh, uh, for our kids, for, for school, uh, I think it was Ethan, he had a, a project where they had to, it was his class, they had to start a business. They had to come up with a concept. They could, they could borrow money from their parents to buy their initial product, but they had to pay all that back by the end of the class. And so he's selling candy. His business is going very well. He's selling candy uh, at, 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 his, at his class. And so it inspired Claire, even though it wasn't a requirement for her, right, that she came up with a concept. She was going to do custom painted rocks. She's eight. She named her business Rock On. Is that not cool, right? So this is one she made. This is one she made for me. The City Life. They've got a a sixty day same as cash, no interest payment plan. I'm just saying. Right? She started the business, and then they, her her guess who her two employee her, her two employees were? Yeah, Derek and Ethan. Right. <laughs> So I think she really liked that since she's the youngest sister. And so there was a few employee management disputes. And so she ended up selling the company to Ethan, and now she works for him. So you know who the Uncle Butch is in our family, right? So now Ethan's the proud owner of Rock On. What's that? And Sugar Rush. Yeah, Sugar Rush, that's his other, other business. So I'm hoping I can work for him one day. We, we like that. You know why? Because we're, we know that they're watching us and there's something about what they see that's saying to them, I want to be a productive, contributing member of society. Your, your children should have a passion and an interest in work because of the example that you're giving to them. It's a proverb question if you're a parent, you should be asking yourself. What is the example that I'm giving my children and are my children, even at a young age, finding their harvest to be a part of. Okay, 12, 11. We're going to do two more. 12, 11. Come on, the Proverbs are a great place to dig around. 12, 11. The hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. You know, sometimes we can be the person in life that always has the next great idea, but we never see any of them come to pass. And we move from idea to idea to idea to idea. And along the way, we get excited. We get other people excited, but we never accomplish anything. And all of a sudden, we realize that in our journey, especially people that might be entrepreneurial in nature, if they're not careful, they end up forsaking and neglecting the financial responsibilities of the moment because they're, they're so consumed by this next great idea that they've come up with. You can have great ideas. And you can give yourself to great ideas. That's how some of the great inventions that have happened in our day. But those great ideas cannot be permission giving to neglect the responsibilities of the moment. If you're one of those people who are a dreamer, if you're one of those people that you're always looking for the next idea, hey, that's great. You might have one of those great ideas, but make sure you're asking yourself this proverb question. Am I using that as permission to be neglectful in my responsibilities in the moment? All right, last one, 2013. 2013. If you love sleep, let's just pause there for a moment. 
If you love sleep, if you've got a Tempur-Pedic mattress, you know what we're talking about. You will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. You know, I'm, I'm sharing this one. There's, there's the obvious application for laziness, but I'm sharing this one tonight because sometimes it's not a laziness problem. Sometimes life just wears us out. And you might be here tonight, and I think this is part of this word that April had for this moment in the, in the service that we were going to come to. If you're here and you're just tired and weary, it doesn't have anything to do with laziness. It's just life's been hard for you. There's a temptation to just give up and slip into a place of slumber that's not physical rest, but it's just giving up the hope that you have a future. And part of this proverb is, is saying to you, don't do that. Start afresh. And if you feel that, if you feel that's you, then you should reach out to somebody that you can trust. And if you don't know anybody, then you reach out to one of us. And we can begin having a conversation with you to help you rediscover your sense of hope for your future, no matter what your yesterdays have looked like. Come on. Amen. All right. Practical steps. We might not get through all three of these tonight. Practical steps. So Total Money Makeover, this is a life group that we run throughout the year. Nate often leads that, right? It's uh, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is the, is the, there's so many resources. If you feel ill-equipped to begin doing the things that we're talking about tonight, if you feel ill-equipped to, to tackle, it might be that you're just so overwhelmed by the, the, the financial responsibilities that, that you have. This is a great start, is to let other people who have done it well begin to create a roadmap for you that you can commit yourself to. It'll revolutionize your life. If you've never read one of these books, Crown Financial is another great one that we've used here before. There's so many great resources, and we hope that you're availing yourself to them. If you're married, come on, if you're married here tonight and, and you're struggling with your finances, you need to let somebody know. If you call this your church home, call me, send me an email, Facebook, did you know that one of the number one causes of divorce in America is finances? Every time I read that stat, I think to myself, why, why, right? Because it's absolutely unavoidable. It's absolutely unavoidable. If we, if we will avail ourselves to the help that's waiting for us, it just doesn't have to be that way. And the idea of financial stress in marriages can be huge. And one of the things, I'm just going to throw a couple of things. If you're married and your spouse brought some bills into the marriage, they're yours now. Are you with me? You, you, you like the two shall become one at bedtime, but you don't like the two shall become one at budget time. Right? You can quote me on that. All that you have, you share. When you cross the threshold of those vows, your income is their income. Your responsibilities are their responsibilities. This idea of the two shall become one, it's a big concept. This, we're in this thing together. If you need some help walking through that, there's people in our church that we'd love to connect you with to talk about how you begin to de-stress your life financially if you're married. Non-monthly expenses is a big hang-up for people. It's You get the monthly stuff down, right? Your mortgage payment or every, your stuff that you've got to do every month, but you don't plan for your non-monthly. You might do your car insurance every six months or birthdays and weddings and baby showers that you need to go to. Vanessa and I, every year, we sit down and we make a list and we say, this is what we think all of our non-monthly expenses are going to be for the whole year. We add that up, we divide it by 12, and we 
treat that as a bill and we put it in a savings account every month, one twelfth of what we think that total's going to be. So when the bills come, there's resources to pay those things. For many of you, you get into debt because you're not respecting this concept and this idea of non-monthly expenses. So if you need some help with that, we'd love to connect you with some people. This is what Chris, you've got to invest in your rest. There should be some investment of your financial resources and things that rejuvenate you. We're going to talk about rest this year. We believe it's one of the forgotten commandments. We teach 10 and we practice 9 as a church so often. That's not going to be us here at the City Life Church. We believe that rest was one of the big 10 for a reason. And we as a church, we're not going to fracture the family that we're supposed to build. And part of your financial plan as a family, whatever family looks like for you, there should be money that you're setting aside for your rest. Utilize technology. I joked last week, right, that I deposited checks through an app on my phone by taking pictures of it last week. And I know some of you think that's voodoo, but it's okay, right? <laughs> technology is a good thing. So you need to avail yourself and take advantage of technology. All right, let's hit these. We'll, we'll, we'll do these briefly because I want to dig into the third one a little bit. Relationships are a financial responsibility. If you're going to have meaningful relationships in this life, they're going to cost you something. If you're going to have meaningful relationships in this life, it's, it's going to be a financial expenditure for you. It's interesting, this verse in Matthew, you can write this down. We're going to get the notes from this series online too. So if you're a note taker and we move too quick for you, we get all that stuff online. Matthew 9, 9 through 11 is this great story where Jesus calls Matthew to be one of his disciples. And Matthew's response is a relational response that cost him something. He invites Jesus and all of his entourage over to his house, and he has a great feast. Part of this journey in life for us as devoted followers of Christ means that we've got to have a comfort level with people coming into our home. And it doesn't have to be steak and lobster. Come on, you can just put a big pot of spaghetti on the stove, sharing a meal with people. Are you pursuing relationships? If you call this your church home, are you pursuing relationships with people who are in this room? And are you pursuing them to the degree that over time you can see that you've spent some money on it? Because if you say you're interested in pursuing relationships, but over a six-month period it hadn't cost you a penny, you're not as serious as you should be. You with me? All right. Another example, I love this one. I'm going to start doing this one myself. Luke 19, 5 through 6. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. <laughs> we like that one, right? I'm coming over to your house. I hope you got some food ready. I'm going to call somebody this week. Hey, this is Fred. Coming over, Luke 19, chapter 5, if you're just wondering. <laughs> the biblical mandate for inviting yourself. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Listen to what it says. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and great joy. There should be a sense of joy and excitement that we have knowing that we're negotiating our standard of living down a little bit less so that we can pursue meaningful relationships with other people. If you're serious about relationships, then you're serious about them being one of the cornerstone financial responsibilities that your family has. All throughout the Mosaic Law, you cannot, as you're reading through the Bible in the year with us, you cannot ignore that God demanded of this new nation, it's going to cost you something. Part of the Mosaic Law was that they were to set aside money for all the feasts throughout the year, which were communal, which were very relational in nature. God was saying, if you're going to be my children, if you're going to call me father, 
then you're going to invest in relationships. That's going to be part of who we are as a people, and that's timeless. All right, let's dig around in this one a little bit. Let's talk about community. You have a financial responsibility to your family. You have a financial responsibility to build relationships. And you and I have a financial responsibility to the community that we are a part of. So, so, so Uncle Butch, this is, this is the other story I want to share with you tonight. I remember him telling me this story years ago that, that he was in a fast food restaurant and he was just on his lunch break and, 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 and somebody came in. I don't remember if it was a teacher or if it was a family, but they had special needs kids with them. And it was, they, were, they were several with them. And so he's sitting there eating lunch, and he said, and I felt like God spoke to my heart. I want you to buy their lunch when he saw them come in. I want you to buy their lunch. So he's, you know, thinking, ah, you know, I'm this strange guy, and, and, and he's a carpenter, so he's a little bit dirty. And he's, you know, I'm, I don't want to be off-putting. And, you know, we, you know how we talk ourselves out of doing what we're supposed to do, right? And so, but he just says, God just keeps saying, buy their lunch. So he walks up, and he just has a very gentle way. He's a big man. He's probably about 6'5". He's a big, big guy, big guy. And, and he... And he says, I'd like to buy lunch for your, for your family today, if that's okay. And he told a little bit of the story, and the family said, sure. So he buys lunch for this family, all these special needs kids. And, and uh, so he goes about the rest of his day. He said, I just, I just had the most amazing feeling in my heart all day. They called me Frederick. Frederick. And uh, he said, he gets home at the end, of the end of the day, and he's standing in front of his dresser, and he's emptying his pockets. Right? All the stuff that he carries with him during the day. He gets to his wallet and his, gets his money clip and he pulls out his money clip. And there's just as much money in his money clip that was in there when he put it in his pocket that morning. So all the money that he had spent feeding all of those people, including the money that he had spent on his own lunch, was all back there again. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens because that's what this book talks about, the kind of God is that we serve. And one of the things I loved about my uncle is that he didn't go on to try to teach me the lesson that went with the story. He knew the story told the lesson itself. And for some of us, we miss out on some of our God stories because we stay in our seat when there's a moment of sharing with the community that God whispers to our heart, and for whatever reason, we just let it pass us by. We don't do it just so that we can have more money in our pocket because that's not the norm he probably did that his whole life, and that might be the only time that it happened for him. There should be something inside of our heart that says, God, if you'll talk to me like that, you're going to find a willing servant. You're going to find a willing servant in this child. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. I'm going to push past these, and you'll be able to get these on the notes if you want to dig around in that a little bit about our financial responsibilities to our community. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. This is verse 9. So this is God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. Look at verse 9. It says, you must not bow down to them or worship them. He's talking about graven images. He's talking about idols. You must not worship them, for I am the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God. Come on, that's what Vanessa was sharing earlier. I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. And I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. 
even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Listen to what he says in verse 10. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand. That'll make you jump, won't it? I'm going to knock my teeth out with my microphone. But I lavish unfailing love. I'm going to start wearing a mouthpiece when I'm preaching. I press. Oh, how But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. I love the genealogies in the Bible. And when I'm reading through the Bible, they frustrate me sometimes just like they frustrate you, right? You're like, oh my goodness, I got to work through three pages of this so I don't feel guilty. But but I hope if you push past some of those, sometimes that's okay. Hey, that's all right. But I hope sometimes you don't push past them and you read them. You struggle through trying to pronounce those crazy names just like I do. Because I think one of the reasons why God put that in there is because he's saying something important to us. How you live is going to affect generations to come. How you choose to live is going to affect generations to come. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to stewardship, you are setting something into motion. And I hope that there is a resolve inside of you that says, I want to set something into motion that's going to make God smile and set my descendants free when it comes to everything material in this life. Stand with me as we worship. Father, may it be that you would find in us a heart that says, God, everything I have belongs to you. And that you would find in us a heart that's willing to break a sweat. That you would find in us a heart that's willing to put forth some effort. That you would find in us a heart that's willing to try as best we can. When it comes to our family, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our community, that we're making good decisions with the resources that we have, not just for us, but for future generations. Let's worship together.